Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Politics Podcast. I'm Tony Kerr. And I'm Simon Delarue. And we're at the Sampier Park Hotel, where the British and Irish Council Summit has been taking place. Um, leaders from across the British Isles uh, here for a couple of days. I think they got in yesterday and some of them have raced straight off, Simon. Just give us a sense of, of what it was like in there, because uh, we don't usually see, well, people like Nicola Sturgeon in Guernsey and certainly the sort of, um, you know, all the aides and the kind of the political circus, if you like, that follows along. Yeah, the uh, the island being shown off to its best with the brilliant sunshine we've got today, but it really was a flying visit. They were in and out in absolutely no time. So, uh, yeah, here we are at St. Pierre Park Hotel, and um, we, we had the conference room all set up, and uh, quite a lot of uh, representatives from the um, local media and a few from uh, around the British Isles, but absolutely outnumbered by all the various delegates. So there are quite a few local politicians here as well, uh, contingent from Jersey, as you'd expect. Um, so it's not just the leaders of the uh, various... Um, parties uh, who are here but also the um, uh, I, I use the word parties in the looser sense uh, but also a, a, a lot of their entourages you know um, and um, yeah so it was, it was quite an interesting uh, uh, press conference We're, with the lineup uh, just to go through them was uh, Alfred Cannon was here he's the uh, the chief minister of the Isle of Man uh, the Taoiseach of the Republic of Ireland Michael Martin uh, Mark Drakeford was here the uh, the first minister of Wales Connor Burns was the UK government uh, uh, he's a Minister of State. He was the UK government's representative here. A late replacement for Michael Gove, uh, who was very recently sacked a, a couple of days ago, as uh, most people will be aware by now. There's been quite a few sackings taking place over in Westminster. And uh, Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister of Scotland, and John Lafonge, who's um, obviously Jersey's Chief Minister for now, um, but of course his replacement has already been uh, elected. So that was the, the lineup, and um, there, there was inevitably quite a lot. Of discussion about the upheavals that are seen not only uh, at Westminster but in the uh, at Stormont as well um, and uh, so that, that was a theme that pretty much dominated uh, discussions but let, let's hear now um, the actual uh, audio from the press conference I itself and then we'll be able to hear my uh, uh, discussion with the Taoiseach uh, shortly afterwards. And possibly the only person in the room who was at the first meeting of the British Irish Council, that's how old I am. Mark Simpson's my name from the BBC in Belfast. Right. Um, Tisha, could I ask you, uh, uh, Minister Connor Burns, as the, the representatives from the British and Irish governments, what I remember about that occasion was Bertie Ahern and Tony Blair. British-Irish relations had never been better. Now it looks as if they're at a low point, a 25-year low point. Tisha, can I start with you? Do you think there's a chance now for a reset? Well, could I first of all um, thank Peter for his hospitality and we had a very constructive uh, meeting this morning, both at breakfast on cost of living uh, and then at the general meeting in terms of latest political developments. And uh, I took the opportunity to brief my colleagues in respect of my visit to Kiev, uh, where I met with President Zelensky and his government. Uh, and I highlighted the degree of alignment um, between the United Kingdom and the European Union uh, in terms of the response to the terrible war on the people of Ukraine. And the United Kingdom has given very strong support to Ukraine, and that was reflected uh, by President Zelensky in his comments to me in, at our meeting. And indeed, the European Union and uh, the United Kingdom have been working very well together um, in, in, in that response. But I did also uh, say to my colleagues that it is a matter of deep regret to me and to the Irish government that that same level of alignment and engagement uh, hasn't been happening in relation to Northern Ireland uh, and that uh, we have and I have voiced my very serious concern 
what I see unilateral action in terms of legislation which would disapply uh, the uh, application of the, the protocol um, in, in, in terms of UK legislation. Uh, and that's something that's not acceptable uh, to the Irish government. But more importantly, I think we need to rediscover the principle of partnership that you've identified in terms of your very first meeting uh, that you attended or covered as a journalist um, 25 years ago, uh, because it was through a constructive engagement between the two governments, the British and Irish government, are the anchor of the Good Friday Agreement and of the peace process, working in lockstep. Uh, I was a member of that government when the Good Friday Agreement was signed. I was a Minister for Education. I can recall the very first tentative steps in terms of the relationship with the Northern Ireland Ministry for Education. I think the late Martin McGuinness would have been Minister for Education on that occasion. Um, and um, that began a new journey. But it was always based on trust, working together, uh, giving each other heads up. And unfortunately, the legislation that has recently been tabled and going through the House flies in the face of that spirit of partnership and engagement. Unilateralism has never worked in the context of Northern Ireland, the Good Friday Agreement. We have to work towards agreement. Now, I do take heart from the comments of Mr. Conor Burns this morning when he made it very clear. I think it's fair to say that he, the strong preference of the British government was a negotiated settlement with the European Union. I know the European Union is ready uh, and willing. It already has been flexible and it remains flexible. But in terms of the protocol, in terms of legacy, in terms of human rights, uh, unilateralism will simply not work. Uh, and uh, I just want to make that point. I think there is an opportunity. Um, and on a personal level, you know, the, the British Prime Minister has gone through a very torrid and very difficult number of weeks. And I wish him and, uh, and his family the very best. Uh, your description of, 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 of the situation is, is accurate uh, insofar as we do need to work now um, to restore and to perhaps look afresh at how we conduct our relationship. And particularly uh, among the principles that have always from the beginning, being part and parcel of that relationship, adherence to international agreements, working together to try and resolve difficulties and challenges, uh, and that would be my wish. Mark, thank you for, for the question. So, look, there is no doubt, let's be honest, the, the challenge of the United Kingdom leaving, the challenge of the United Kingdom leaving the European Union with Ireland remaining a member state and finding a way to recognize the unique situation of the island of Ireland with Northern Ireland still inside the United Kingdom internal market and Ireland inside the European single market has been a, a very great challenge and that has put the relationship between London and Dublin under a degree of pressure in, in recent years. I've always been very, very clear, so has the government, that the interests of Northern Ireland are always best served when there is a warm and frequent dialogue between uh, London and Dublin. I've always welcomed the the tone uh, that the Taoiseach has taken when he has commented on these things in public, where he has always sought uh, dialogue and a solutions-driven agenda and tried to take heat out of some of the differences. But to be clear, cooperation does not mean one party simply agreeing that the other side is right if they don't. And we are very clear that we want a negotiated solution to the challenges of the implementation and interpretation of the protocol. We want to protect Northern Ireland's place within the United Kingdom's internal market at the same time as protecting uh, the single market and goods moving through uh, Northern Ireland. 
we absolutely want a negotiated solution with the EU, and we hope that the mandate that Vice President Secretary has, the, the space he's been given uh, within that mandate to negotiate, negotiate that solution is broadened. Until that happens, we have an obligation as the government of the United Kingdom to take the necessary legislative steps to fix the implementation of the protocol to make it work, and therefore to unlock the challenge of devolved, restored, our sharing government in Northern Ireland, the main institutions that grew from uh, the Belfast Good Friday Agreement. I'm hopeful that the appointment of uh, a new Secretary of State in the uh, reconfiguration of the, the, the temporary cabinet uh, that the Prime Minister has done, I understand he and Simon Coveney had a very positive conversation uh, last night, and I hope I can support uh, Silesh in that role of being a contributor to a restoration of the regular and warm relationship that London and Dublin have endured, uh, sorry, enjoyed over so many, so very many years. Next question, please. Uh, so from BBC, and this is a question to Nipper. Uh, so you've recently claimed that sexism in politics is getting worse. You're the only woman at the table today. Why is female representation so important and how encouraged do you feel by Jersey's recently elected first female chief minister? Well, thank you for the question. Before I uh, turn to that question, can I take the opportunity on behalf, I'm sure, of all of us uh, to reflect, as indeed we did at the outset of the summit, on the shocking and tragic uh, news in Japan earlier today, resulting, of course, in the death of the former Prime Minister uh, Shinzo Abe. And our thoughts and condolences are with his family and with all of the people of Japan at this uh, incredibly difficult and sad time. Um, Secondly, uh, to address your, your question and, and start with uh, the aspect of the question relating uh, to Jersey, I uh, congratulate the, the new uh, Chief Minister of, of Jersey. Of course, <laughs> I uh, welcome another woman uh, to the uh, heads of government at the British-Irish uh, Council table. Uh, that said, uh, I also want to take the opportunity to pay tribute to the outgoing uh, Chief Minister of Jersey, John has been uh, a valued colleague uh, in his time in office. Uh, all of us have enjoyed his company and benefited from his contributions. So in congratulating uh, the new Chief Minister, who I met briefly uh, this morning, uh, can I pay tribute to John and wish him all the best. Um, I uh, am a feminist. I, I hope I'm not the only, I may be the only woman at this table. I hope I'm not the only feminist uh, at this table. Um, I think uh, greater female representation is good, uh, not just because it is uh, good and just for women, but it leads to better uh, government and better decision making. Uh, the more diverse and representative any government, just like any company board or organisation is uh, in gender terms, but also in uh, terms of uh, minority ethnic communities, uh, the better the outcomes will be. Um, I think we have made great strides forward in gender equality, certainly in politics, over my career in politics. Uh, but I think we've also been reminded that we cannot take that progress for granted. Uh, we see parliaments uh, where that progress has halted or risks going backwards. Uh, my own parliament in Scotland is one of the, the world leaders in this respect, but I think we have still got work to do and have got to uh, make sure that we don't go backwards in that respect. And my final point is that this is not uh, in any way divorced from the environment in which we conduct politics and, and political discourse. And I don't think there is any doubt that that environment 
because of, for example, the, uh, the, the impact and contribution of social media, uh, that environment is becoming, uh, and I use this phrase carefully but deliberately, more hostile for women. And therefore, we run the risk of making it harder to encourage women to come into public life and public office. So let's celebrate the progress, uh, but let's also remember we have much work still to do. And it's not just a job for women leaders uh, or women generally, it's a job and a challenge and an obligation of all of us. Yes. Um, what impact has... Sorry, who are, can you just... Oh, sorry, yes, I'm Bron Weatherby from Press Association. Um, what impact has what's going on in Westminster and Boris Johnson's resignation had on your uh, meetings today, on your conversations, and um, also in the politics going on in your home nations? Which I... To anyone who wants yeah, to go. Let me start. And again, can I just say, people have been introducing their remarks by thanking everybody. The, the contribution of the... Uh, that uh, everybody has made to this uh, summit has been considerable. And we started off our discussions this morning. Uh, I thought it might have been a bit tepid, but it wasn't. It was far from tepid. It was both informative and there was some pretty strong stuff said, very balanced way, uh, in relation to the Irish viewpoint from representatives from Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, and from the, the Minister. But uh, as I said on a Radio 4 programme a few weeks ago, uh, Guernsey will work with any UK administration as long as they respect our position and we respect theirs. We've always been treated respectfully and we've always treated them respectfully. And whoever is the next Prime Minister and whoever the next administration will be when there is a general election, whenever that might be, we will work constructively with them. So it's certainly not been a dark cloud over our discussions at all. Uh, I think Connor might have worn out his uh, mobile phone and making messages and receiving messages over the last few days, but certainly uh, it's not been a, a downer at all. I, I perhaps add to that, I, I don't think it has um, affected our discussions this morning in any uh, negative or adverse way. I, I think um, around uh, the table with the topics we were discussing, um, and I'm obviously you know, only speaking personally here, there is a hope that a new Prime Minister does lead to a reset on some of the discussions around the Northern Ireland Protocol and I would hope some of the wider uh, discussions around Brexit. Um, I hope that notwithstanding uh, developments of recent days and the uh, necessary process now to elect a new leader of the Conservative Party and a new Prime Minister, we don't see an interruption of necessary steps to help with the cost of living, uh, which uh, you know becomes ever more pressing by the day. Um, in terms of impact on uh, domestic politics in, in Scotland, I am uh, conscious I'm sitting next to a colleague uh, Connor here. I, I mean uh, no uh, disrespect at all. Um, it's no secret that Boris Johnson was not uh, an overwhelmingly popular Prime Minister in, in Scotland. I think that's probably the most diplomatic way I can put it. So there will be you know, a sense of relief that that uh, is changing. Uh, that said, uh, Boris Johnson is a Prime Minister Scotland did not vote for, about to be replaced by another Prime Minister that Scotland did not vote for. And the democratic deficit issue uh, that comes with Westminster government for Scotland is systemic and it is about more than one uh, individual Prime Minister. And uh, I won't uh, go into detail here about the solution that I uh, favour uh, to deal with that democratic deficit. I think it is well known. Just, just very quickly to say that, you know, um, we're all politicians, so we all um, are conscious of what is happening at Westminster. 
and it's very very um, significant in itself and it's uh, you know has has absorbed huge interest um, publicly but obviously the agenda was set very well by peter um, and we stuck to the agenda and politics is also about consistency and about discussing the issues uh, from cost of living to housing uh, to the um, climate issue uh, and of course we did discuss the Northern Ireland Protocol and the relationship between the European Union and the United Kingdom in that context but also in the context of the um, enormous impacts from the war on Ukraine on all of our lives but particularly on the people of, of Ukraine so in that sense developments in Westminster didn't um, take from or focus on the agenda itself uh, and uh, Connor was busy, uh, on, or appeared to be, uh, at, at dinner last evening, sorry, in terms of messages coming through. I did meet uh, Secretary, then Secretary uh, Michael Gove last year. Uh, I was quite looking forward to meeting him this year, but the events did have some impact. Um, but of course, we will get opportunities in the future uh, in, that, in that respect. Okay. Can I just say something? Yeah, but please very do. Very quickly, as, as someone who was, is, very close to, to the Prime Minister who was with him back in 2018 when we both left the Foreign Office on the same day and were not exactly overwhelmed by support from parliamentary colleagues. We've come full circle where we're again not exactly overwhelmed by support of parliamentary colleagues. Um, being here after what's been an incredibly emotional and turbulent couple of weeks, seeing my boss and my friend, um, seeing his Prime Ministerial career come to an end, being here has served for me a really useful purpose. It's absolutely reminded me why I and why all of us are in politics. We're in politics not for the machinations and psychodramas of Westminster or Holyrood or wherever else. We're in politics to do our best for the people out there that we serve. And it's reminded me of the massive challenges that we all face, not just in the UK, these islands, the Western world globally, and cost of living, democracy in so many places hanging by a thread, the brutal invasion uh, of Ukraine, for me the challenges of power sharing in Northern Ireland. It's reminded me that politics is about people and the conversations that people are having out there are very, very different from the ones that my colleagues are having in Westminster when they're looking inwards to the Conservative Party. And I hope that born out of these events of recent weeks, my colleagues will give the people of the United Kingdom a dignified, edifying debate about who is best to take over from the Prime Minister and to lead the United Kingdom and do their very best for the people who ultimately matter most, the people of the United Kingdom. Next question, please. I was just wondering Can what... You just hide oh, sorry, Mark Ogier, Guernsey Press. I was just wondering what the visiting delegates are taking away from what Guernsey has told them about how things are working in the island at the moment. Are you obviously all sympathising with each other about different problems, but has anyone actually learned anything that they think might be of use? They could answer for themselves. Yes, um, one always does when you meet with colleagues and you share experiences, share best practice. Uh, I think that there was a very useful discussion between ministers this morning, which was followed through into the plenary session around urban development, um, uh, the uh, urban landscape, towns, how, we, how one revitalised towns, what's the most effective policy in doing that. My own city of Cork made a presentation in terms of the pedestrianisation of 17 streets. And I think by sharing that experience, we can all learn how to do things 
um, better. And in cost of living, it's always very important to compare notes, to compare different strategies, different approaches, uh, in terms of how do we respond to a unique set of circumstances, both the imbalance between supply and demand coming out of the COVID crisis, and economies bounced back, uh, and so many of us have, have right now problems of economic growth, almost close to full employment, with consequent difficulties in terms of um, recruiting uh, and, 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 and so forth. Um, and also then you, you, uh, the enormous impact of the war on Ukraine on energy. So how, what, how, does, how do governments respond intelligently, strategically to uh, an inflationary cycle uh, that's come about because of different factors, but creating a unique sort of situation for us, and to do so in a way that's not... Um, that, that, that doesn't create further in, in rounds of inflation. Uh, and I found that very useful to just hear other colleagues talk through their approaches. Uh, and I think through that, then we can, we, we can develop a stronger response. Can I just pick up on, a, a, I guess, the subtext of the things, what's the purpose of the bit of VIC and what benefits do we get? So I'll give a practical example, not necessarily, not necessarily from today, but from an earlier one which is, um, you may recall, because in Jersey we did the spend local card uh, in uh, 2020 as fiscal stimulus. We presented it at British Irish Council as part of one of the COVID updates that was happening. And within a week, uh, Arlene Foster of the day gave us a call and essentially it was implemented, broadly speaking, in Northern Ireland based on our experiences. So that's a practical example of shared experiences and some of the benefits we get from all of these kind of discussions how we uh, transmit that information. Hope that helps. Anybody else want to make a comment? Just before we do that, let me just say I know the comment was directed to the colleagues rather than me. This is a, I've been chief minister since mid-October 2020. Uh, it's the first one I've been able to physically attend for various reasons. I found it so invaluable, much more valuable than I thought it would be, because it's not only talking to these people, which has been uh, of considerable value, it's also talking to other people, officials, etc. So if I, I think I was a convert before I came, but or a believer. That sounds like a monkey's tongue. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I am a believer. I was a believer. I'll continue to be a believer in the value of this uh, this uh, institution. Next question, please. Uh, Simon Delarue, Guernsey Press. It's a question specifically for Nicola Sturgeon. Um, in a new independent Scotland, which you uh, have an ambition for, will you still want to have a seat at this table? And how do you envisage your future relationship with the Crown? Um, well, let me separate those questions, if I may, <laughs> a second. Uh, in short, uh, my answer to your first question is an emphatic yes. An independent Scotland would still uh, be part of the British Isles and therefore very much still a part of the, the British Irish Council. In fact, I often use... Um, this forum as a way to illustrate the continuing relationships uh, that will be strong and valued and valuable uh, once Scotland becomes an independent country. The only thing that will change is uh, Scotland will no longer be a devolved government around this table. We will be an independent government, but we will still he be here cooperating and collaborating um, as part of the, the family uh, of, of nations uh, that make up this this forum. So I think it's a, a good question um, and actually a, a powerful way of demonstrating uh, the continued uh, relationships that will be there and be important um, in that scenario. Um, in terms of uh, relationship with the Crown, my, my party's policy is that uh, following Scottish independence, uh, the Queen and her successors would remain the head of state, Scotland would remain 
part of the Commonwealth. Uh, as is the case in all of the UK, you will find differences of opinion in Scotland on monarchy versus uh, becoming a republic. Uh, but my party's policy um, is as I've set out. Just following on from that, um, did Scottish independence come up in your meetings and uh, what did the other leaders and representatives uh, think about it? Um, no, not explicitly in our, our discussions. I, I think, I may be wrong here, I think they all know my position on Scottish independence, <laughs> so I, I didn't feel the need uh, to, to point it out to them uh, expressly. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we didn't discuss it at all, because uh, it is important, but it's a matter for, in my view, it's a matter for, for Scotland and the United Kingdom. Uh, Guernsey, not Scotland, Guernsey is uh, part of the British Isles, part of the British family. But as uh, the First Minister of Scotland has said, whether Scotland eventually achieves independence or otherwise, it will still have a valuable role uh, in the BIC. Can I have one more? Connor Burns, uh, just one more question, please, Minister. Uh, you talked about this new year, we're now in, uh, and you're still a minister, there is still a government, but, but can it do anything? Are we in a kind of informal period of purda here, including at the Northern Ireland office that you represent? We've got a very clear agenda in the Northern Ireland office and the, the, the government is in place. We will have the, the leadership election under the rules determined by the 1922. I hope, and I hope that happens uh, quickly. Uh, I hope that can be expediated uh, so that the the final two candidates can go to the party membership uh, after Parliament breaks uh, in July, later this month, and we can get a new Prime Minister in place quickly. But the policies of the government remain. Uh, the policies of the government will continue to be enacted. And we have a, an important role in the Northern Ireland Office, now supporting Lord Kane and myself, now supporting uh, the new Secretary of State and the wider government to continue to try and get uh, devolved government back up and running. And Mark, as you know, because I've said this consistently, and it's just worth reiterating, we believe there is no reason whatsoever why the DUP shouldn't be back in government already. The result of the election was clear. The rules were known. Uh, the, the mandate uh, that the different parties have is understood. The protocol is a matter between the government of the United Kingdom and the European Union. It is not a matter for the executive. It is not a matter for the DUP or any other parties in Northern Ireland. They should be back in government and delivering for the people of Northern Ireland, unlocking the some £430 million that's available from Barnet Consequentials to Northern Ireland to help people in Belfast the same way my constituents in Bournemouth are being helped with the cost of living challenges. They should do that immediately. Anybody else with a question? Here's a piece of breaking news for you. I was heavily involved in the last leadership election. I spent a year helping the now Prime Minister when he was on the back benches and throughout that leadership campaign. Um, the party have made their decision on him. I am minded at this time to sit out this um, leadership election. I will vote, uh, uh, but I will vote privately. Um, I don't think I've got a huge amount to add to uh, the debate at the moment. Oh, sorry, yes, you've, uh, I'll come back to you, but Thank you. give this age and ask the question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Serena from ITV, uh, it's a question from Mr Martin, please. Uh, what's your response to Sinn Féin's uh, plan to bring a vote of no confidence in the government? 
Well, the, the plan is to, to reaffirm confidence in the government. Uh, it's the last week of Parliament, uh, and it's a sort of classic sort of strategy from an opposition perspective. Uh, it, it's an opportunity, and I welcome the opportunity to uh, lay out the government's achievements to date. It's a good government, it's a very competent government, as demonstrated during the COVID-19, where Ireland had a relatively very strong outcome in terms of um, the, the low levels of relative to other countries in terms of mortality uh, and in terms of impacts, uh, notwithstanding the huge tragedy COVID has been for many, many families. But then economically, the rebound was very significant uh, and the measures government took to underpin business and jobs has resulted uh, in the fastest growing economy in the European Union. And um, uh, the government has very clearly, uh, in terms of climate policy and in terms of legislation we've passed, and distinguished ourselves from previous governments in terms of the targets and in terms of the legal framework we've put in place on the climate change issue. We have a very comprehensive policy on housing, housing for all, um, and of course strong um, policies in terms of equality opportunity in education um, and in childcare, and in terms of healthcare reform, building on lessons learned from our experiences during COVID-19. I could go on, but I suggest I, I suspect my comments are more uh, maybe applicable to the domestic debate back in Ireland. Thank you. I think yes, I was actually going to ask the same question, oh, so can I use it to direct a question at uh, Mr. Drakeford? Um, yesterday, following Boris Johnson's resignation, you called for a general election. Um, can I hear a bit more about um, why you think that would be a good idea, and has that been? Have you discussed it with Mr. Burns today? Uh, no, that conversation hasn't been part of the business of the council. Uh, but my view is very clear. This is the third prime minister that has been lost as part of the psychodrama of the UK Conservative Party. Uh, it is for the people of the United Kingdom to choose their government, uh, not for parties in government to go through crises in which they then uh, choose from a very small selectorate uh, the people who are to lead us into the future. The people of the United Kingdom deserve a government that is able to focus exclusively on the very many challenges which we've discussed at the BIC this morning. The cost of living crisis, the enduring presence of coronavirus in our communities, the war in Ukraine and so on. Uh, at this moment, the way to secure that government is to put the decision into the hands of the people to whom we are all responsible. Uh, and I think that is the way to make sure that the government over the next few years has the mandate uh, it needs and the clarity of purpose, which needs to be brought to that agenda. And can I get Mr. Burns' thoughts on that? I almost thought when Mark was saying that um, people elect the prime minister and parties shouldn't overturn that, he was almost calling for Boris to carry on. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't his intention. Look, it's not, it's not unusual for um, prime ministers to change uh, within the mandate between general elections. It's happened regularly um, between Tory prime ministers and Labour prime ministers. The government has got a mandate from the people at the last election. Um, the new prime minister will have been elected on that same manifesto that Boris Johnson put to the British people from which we got that mandate, and they will want to fulfil that mandate and go to the people uh, when uh, they judge the time to be right. I don't see any benefit for us with all the things that are going on at the moment uh, to distract ourselves with another national election. 
Our response child, I think, just about up. But yes. Um, could I just uh, ask uh, for a, a view on that from the tea shop, uh, Mr. Martin? You've spoken earlier about the importance of Dublin walking in lockstep with London. Uh, is that ambition hamstrung until the autumn now with with this hiatus that we had with the the promise to having to re resign as the leader of the majority party at Westminster? Well, again, I don't want to comment on the internal situation in terms of political situation um, within Westminster, within the government. Uh, suffice to say that um, in my view and from my own experience uh, from the beginning of the Good Friday Agreement, that relationship between the two governments is key in underpinning uh, the strength of the agreement, the capacity of the agreement to evolve. Um, and uh, so it's very important that obviously we're in a temporary situation right now. There's a new government, a new sorry, prime minister will be in, the, in due course elected, will form a new government, will select a new government. And I would like a return to, to, to uh, the conduct of relationships between us uh, in, in, in the spirit uh, that, that characterized the beginnings of the Good Friday Agreement and, it's, and, and, and an experience we've shared down through the years. The, I think what's challenging is, and, and Connor did refer to this, and in my view, nothing excuses the absence of an executive or an assembly. I'm a passionate Democrat. Uh, and a parliamentarian, and in earlier times in Northern Ireland when the executive was pulled down by other parties for different reasons, I would have always said, um, you know, the failure to participate in the assembly or indeed in the electorate, uh, in, in, in my view, is, is, is not good enough. You know, it can never be justified uh, because we do need continuity in Northern Ireland in terms of uh, the executive and the assembly and the institutions of the Good Friday Agreement. And we've had too much start-stop over the lifetime of the Good Friday Agreement in respect of the institutions. Uh, and so I do, the, the people have spoken in Northern Ireland. They deserve the, a government, the elected representatives. They want their elected representatives to work for them. There's huge pressure on households in terms of cost of living, uh, hospitals, housing, and so on. We've all shared them this morning. And to me, uh, it just is unacceptable that we do not have a functioning executive and a functioning assembly. Uh, and uh, the, th those institutions exist to resolve issues. And um, within the protocol agreement and the trade agreement between the UK and the European Union, mechanisms actually exist for the resolution of issues, uh, which hasn't often been uh, acknowledged. And I think the, we do accept then the strong need for consultative roles for the elected representatives in the North and the executive to participate in the resolution of those issues. Very last question. Um, just taking it back to the sharing best practice and discussions that you're all here for, what are the main positives that you think has come out of this particular British Irish Council, specifically Seti Fairbrush and John Andre, but anybody else who wants to talk about tangible outcomes from today? There are some practical things, Richard, I'm not going to go. Something the First Minister of Wales said at breakfast this morning, which I'm going to take to my colleagues at PNR on Tuesday about what they're doing to help uh, vulnerable people in Wales. And I thought if we could adopt that or adapt that. For Guernsey, there's just one practical example, but I think it's learning from people, getting to know people. Uh, you know, we've got our views, we've all got similar problems, as Trishok has said, about cost of living, housing, all those kind of things. It's getting knowledge from those, but it's also building, as I say, building continuity. Uh, Trishok just referred to that in his last answer about stop-start in Northern Ireland, etc., etc. The more continuity you've got, the more you can talk to each other, the more information you've got, the better. Yes, uh, 
basically with Peter on that. Um, I think in all the time I've done in politics, it's all about the experience and building the relationship. Richard Council is one, is one of the facets that we build that relationship um, further, much further beyond our shores, as it were. Uh, obviously, there are other fora, etc., that we all participate in where it goes wider. And as I said, the example I gave earlier, one of your colleagues to your left, uh, our left, um, on the spend local card, which was the £100 to every man, woman, and child in Jersey, was then actually, broadly speaking, adopted by uh, A, Northern Ireland, but B, we had other jurisdictions that were actually interested in, in looking at it. That's about how you communicate those type of examples across. So obviously the discussions today have been around housing, uh, all the other challenges that actually I think we've all appreciated, even on small islands and larger jurisdictions, we are all facing very similar challenges. And that's actually been quite, um, I want to say refreshing to hear, because sometimes we focus just on ourselves. And then to once you understand you've all got very similar problems, is then hopefully you can work together and then to feed into what some of those solutions can be. I've just said the power of dialogue, the importance of dialogue. And Connor and I had good discussions last evening, Lord Kane, and with all my colleagues representing um, all the jurisdictions. And you can never underestimate in democracy the importance of dialogue, talking and listening and, and learning. We learn every day. And realising you know, the practical examples are important, I won't repeat those, but you know, when you lead a government, particularly in challenging times, it is very easy to think that the problems you're dealing with are unique and you're, you're on your own. You come to something like this and realise we're all dealing with and grappling with the same challenges. So that can be good just to you know, better equip you to do that, but then also talk to each other, learn from each other and uh, realise we're, we're, we're in these challenges together. So that was the uh, pretty much raw audio from the press conference this morning. That took place after the summit, um, presumably the leaders sitting around a table and, and, and talking about the issues um, which they mentioned in there. The last time I was at St. Pierre Park for a press conference like that, Brad Watson was getting signed as a boxer <laughs> some years ago. You, it's not often you see that kind of lineup of people you know, in front of the media in Guernsey. So um, yeah, it was really interesting to hear what they had to say. And after that, there was an opportunity for, for all of the media to, to grab one-on-ones and you caught up with a couple of them. After uh, his on a word or two with his entourage, we were finally able to speak to uh, Michael Martin, the Taoiseach of the Republic of Ireland, and uh, I wanted to know really um, about his personal take on his visit to Guernsey for this. Mr Martin, is this, uh, first of all, your first visit to Guernsey? It is indeed, and uh, it's been a very pleasant one, and I would like to return, not to meetings, but just to enjoy uh, the recreation and the beauty of the island. And, uh, we've had spent weather, and uh, I must say I'm very taken by the charm this island and uh, we had wonderful hospitality last evening. And so uh, returning to a British-Irish council meetings, does it feel a bit like sort of business as usual with all the mayhem that surrounds it with other things going on? Yes, I think it's important as well that uh, we, particularly in terms of the Good Friday Agreement, that all of the institutions, and particularly the British-Irish Council, that we maintain them and that we participate enthusiastically in them. And I learn a lot from discussing with colleagues or shared problems, be it cost of living, the impact of the war on Ukraine and our response to the terrible uh, attack on the people of Ukraine, uh, both humanitarian response and so forth, and also then issues around urban development uh, that we shared uh, this morning between ministers involved in that area in, in all of the jurisdictions. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we discussed the protocol issue in terms of the relationship between the United Kingdom government and the European Union in, in that respect. So, yes, it's a very valuable uh, forum 
and also I think it highlights how much in common we have, uh, but also the need to maintain dialogue. Dialogue is an is essential ingredient um, in building relationships and peace. And uh, what do you come away from this meeting feeling in terms of the um, the outcomes, the the the, um, the the tangible benefits of having met on this particular? Well, I think occasion? in terms of the UK government and the Irish government, I think we, we we had a useful exchange of views in terms of the, the protocol issue. Also, I think on the planning front, around how we revitalise town centres, which is a key agenda of our government. I think we learned a, a, a significant amount from your experience here and from the experience. Uh, of other jurisdictions as well, and that was uh, in, in terms of that issue. Uh, also, at the cost of living, we had a breakfast meeting this morning with all of the leaders around how best to respond to inflation, particularly the, the, the unique set of circumstances we now have. We've come out of COVID, economies have bounced back. There's an imbalance in supply and demand. That's created some inflation. The war in Ukraine has created a very significant degree of inflation in terms of energy, which is feeding into food uh, prices as well. And so what's the most intelligent and strategic rate to respond to a cost of living crisis without creating second round and third round effects? We don't want inflation every year. We want to manage it sensibly and alleviate the pressures that are on many households. And the, the process of holding a meeting like this, uh, and specifically on this occasion here in Guernsey, does it build a relationship between the Republic of Ireland and our bailiwick of Guernsey? Yes, it does, uh, absolutely. Uh, and um, I found that uh, with all the, the big meetings and all our participants, it does strengthen that relationship. And um, uh, again, as I say, I will be coming back um, uh, to, to experience uh, the, the, the unique uh, attributes of, of, of this island and all it has to offer. Simon, what, what did you make of what you saw today? I mean, there was a question from our colleague Mark Osier in the press conference, effectively getting at sort of what's the point of the British Irish Council. Um, most of the uh, delegates in what they had to say were, were, were pretty positive about the role it has to play. And, you know, Nicola Sturgeon answering your question um, uh, about whether if Scotland was to become an independent state, whether she would still want that seat on the British Council and it was very affirmative, yes. Um, so that it does seem to have a, a, a meaningful role in, in what goes on in the British Yeah, and I, I, you know, they've, they've been talking, uh, one of their main themes during this meeting was regeneration. And uh, although, you know, we, we haven't um, heard a great deal from them during the press conference about that, uh, we will have an opportunity to debrief some of the uh, local politicians who, who were here for that meeting. Um, we're hoping to speak to Deputy Peter Verbrush before long and uh, get, a, get a bit more insight about what the island has learned from those other jurisdictions in those terms and perhaps even what they've learned from us. Um, so that'll be interesting. But um, nevertheless, you know, inevitably, um, when there is as much upheaval going on politically around the British Isles as there is at the moment, uh, particularly with the tension between the Northern Ireland Protocol and the uh, Good Friday Agreement. Um, inevitably, uh, that's, that's where the attention was for that press conference, which I nevertheless found fascinating. It's interesting when, you know, that, that entire national dialogue or in international dialogue really uh, sort of lands on your doorstep uh, and it's uh, it's an interesting uh, time for us political anoraks locally and uh, an interesting um, uh, opportunity to uh, get the insights from these um, professional politicians you know they uh, they are um, extremely well versed it's interesting even just to watch how their entourages behave and what they do you know re recording all interviews that are taking place discreetly on their phones you know and that sort of thing. 
Um, so I, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I hope our listeners have uh, uh, enjoyed their insight into this latest BIC meeting. Yeah, absolutely. We'll leave it there from St. Pierre Park. Um, stay tuned uh, for more uh, political content, probably of a more local persuasion uh, here on the Guns Press Politics podcast feed um, over the coming week. In fact, you've been catching up with Deputy Heidi Salisbury. Um, a full interview about uh, reacting to the government work plan debate um, will follow on this feed. So stay tuned for that uh, for now, though. Thanks very much. <laughs>